coming up on Reframed. Along with this week's special guest, Annie Sagara. Today we'll be discussing Dead End Paranormal Park. Just like talking about it, I literally have a glossy eyes right now. I love that story. I think it's so cool. Like ableism is like everywhere. And so we're constantly like holding our breath just to try to not scream. Oh, I think if we were reviewing it on like Queer Rep, it'd be like a 12 out of 5. Tell us how to live. How do we do this? What's going on? Welcome back to Reframed, the podcast that reframes how disability is portrayed in film and TV. I'm your host, Jason Climo, and today I have my lovely as ever co-host, Stephanie Dow, with me, along with this week's special guest, Annie Sagara. Today we'll be discussing Dead End Paranormal Park, but before we do, let's say hey to Annie and learn a little bit more about them. So welcome to the podcast, Annie. Did you want to just start off by letting us all know a bit about you and what you do? Yes. Hi. Hello. Um, my name is Annie Sagara, and online I use the user handle Annie Elaney. Um, I have been a digital creator, I guess, uh, for about 17 years now, uh, mostly documenting my life and um, what my experiences are, hoping that that kind of visibility and representation can be helpful to other people, um, as well as seeking community and, um, I guess, participating in online community in that way. Um, I, I think I started, um, being a lot more open about my personal experiences, maybe in 2010, um, regarding my mental health and, um, that, that was very much about my body image, body dysmorphia, eating disorders, um, and eventually came out on the internet as a queer. By 2013, I started getting really sick. I started being really open about that on the internet and my, and my diagnosis journey regarding my chronic illness, um, to later discover that it was Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. Um, and it was causing me physical disability. I went from using, um, a cane to a wheelchair, to a power chair. Um, and now I just kind of live on the internet with all my open identities, being queer and disabled and, uh, just sharing myself and my experiences, hoping that that resonates with people. And, um, as as well as people who may not be familiar with like queer culture and disability culture uh, to be kind of a window and a learning experience for them as well. I mean, we're all on this mission, I guess, to put the more authentic representation out there, right? Like we're all wanting to see ourselves reflected on screen. Um, you know, Annie, from your perspective, and obviously given the work you do, um, you're very um, a great champion of this, you know, why is it so important that we, we do see more authentic representation of disability in film, TV, other screen media? Uh, just like talking about it, I literally have a, a glossy eyes right now. I have like water in my eyes. Cause I think it's such a, um, it's very, it's like an, honestly an inner child healing thing. Uh, I think that like, so for much of my life, right. I, I'm, I'm 32 and, um, so I guess at least like two thirds of my life, I was like 
a queer person in a, in a closet and a person with undiagnosed uh, disability uh, in multiple ways, undiagnosed uh, autism, undiagnosed physical disability that like I, I was able to get around without a wheelchair, but I like had really immense difficulty. And so like what would have helped me as someone that like, you know, didn't feel solid in who I was or what my identity was, it would have been helpful to see people that looked like me, that were like me, um, in the media to make me feel <laughs> less freaking strange and isolated. Isolated is, is, is the, like the bigger term, right? Because you feel so alone if you don't. Like what you've touched on is like, it's not like representation isn't not isn't sorry isn't not that doesn't make any sense isn't just about like oh you know we want characters that are disabled on screen full stop like it there's all these things that are happening because of the lack of representation because of like the systemic discrimination ableism in all of our industries but especially like screen media because we literally cannot even see ourselves out in the world and yet we're here and we're like well, how the fuck do I fit in out there? Well, that's it. I mean, I know, like, you know, growing up um, in our household, our, one of our favourite mottos was, you know, talking about myself, like, you can't be the first one. Like, you can't be the first person using a wheelchair to go to university. You can't be the first one to want to go out with friends at night in the city. You can't, you know. But because you don't see that out there, it does make you feel like you are the first one. Or the only one and that is isolating yeah and there's zero you know? guidance there's zero guidance yeah. and like uh something that gets talked about a lot is like especially in disability is like the idea of like a disability mentorship like and that's kind of like that is kind of what i i think i i try to do in a way like uh i i find myself in the dm sometimes talking to people who are newly disabled or just younger disabled people not necessarily newly disabled um and uh, about the different experiences they might be going through. And I, and I don't always have the answers. I feel very like ill-equipped sometimes. I'm like, mm, I wasn't diagnosed as a child. So like, I really roughed it. I don't know this specific experience. And, but my point being that there are so many parts of these marginalized experiences, disability and queerness very uh, equally uh, if I'm speaking for myself, that, you know, you have no parent, no mentor, no guide to like teach you how to see things. We, we see these like um, visuals, these representations in, in film and in sitcoms of like parents teaching their kids how to flirt or how to like ask someone out on a date. <laughs> As a queer person, you think that we were freaking taught that? No, not yeah. well. If you're lucky, you did. If you're lucky, you did. But <laughs> no. So so we're out here floating mm. around like, how the hell do I talk to someone in a flirty way of the same gender? How do I do that? Yeah. No one taught us that. Yeah. So <laughs> especially as an autistic person, Literally. you're like, how? Give me script, please. I don't know how to do it. Yeah. See, this is why we need more diverse representation on screen we need those moments just like that be like tell us how to life how do we do this what's going on it's so true like as much as we're like giggling about it a bit it's like so 
true though. Like we don't have, it's almost like that, like visual playbook that all these like terrible rom-coms, but they are, and like they're terrible, but they still help. Like they inform certain parts, even if they're like very unrealistic. The embarrassing fact about myself that like I <laughs> have a whole uh, Google Word doc of like social scripts that I'll like pick up. Uh, either from media or like there's people who you know cr- create scripts for you now online like how do you talk the corporate way and like how how oh uh, i love especially like therapy internet like they'll give you scripts on like how to set boundaries and and things like that and i'll see those things and i'm like i'm putting them into this word doc and like so i can do control fine command fine depending on the software you're using and be like i'm looking for how to set a boundary how to flirt how to whatever and like it's gonna be in this word document that i have (laughs) because talking is hard and we like need that representation like we need that shown because you know i'm sure there's like plenty of non-disabled people out in the world that just have absolutely no idea like they're never going to have like a full comprehension like i'll never have a full comprehension of your experiences or step experiences and vice versa but you know we have that level of relatability because we are all blending like as much as possible into this society that is just not built for us or inclusive to us and it's that's it's like yeah that's why i just love talking about this shit for hours and hours because i'm like i actually really genuinely feel that like Getting this on screen is what is going to actually create the real change. A hundred percent. I mean, that's how I feel yeah. like we we owe media representation a big debt and just how much society has progressed, period. It literally is such a, yeah. a, a it's it's both. I always want to emphasize that it's both. It is about representation for uh, the people who can resonate with these characters and with these stories but also such a teaching tool that re- will will soften any kind of hatred that ignorance can bring about. Let's get stuck into uh, analyzing Dead End Paranormal Park. Steph, did you want to um, kick us off with a bit of a synopsis? Yeah, this one's certainly a fun one. So Dead End Paranormal Park is an animated fantasy horror series that is now streaming on Netflix. The series follows two teenagers, Barney and Norma, along with a talking pug and a demon, as they discover the world of paranormal at their local theme park, Phoenix Parks, while learning all new things about themselves. Uh, This is a series that's being celebrated online for its inclusivity of diverse characters. We've got lead character Barney, who is a transgendered um, teen boy, uh, we've got Norma, who is autistic, um, and that's probably the reason we're here to talk about this um, quite bizarre, um, super fun, kind of like jump scary at certain times. Annie, kick us off. What What are your thoughts? What are you, What are you thinking about this? Just off like the character list alone, I was really excited to read that. So I have not watched the whole thing. So disclaimer, like I just, just a taste of it is all I got. Um, But I was reading the character list and somewhere along the lines, there's going to be a non-binary ghost. And I was squealing, squealing, 
crying so excited i could not believe that someone had created a show uh, with like transness queerness and they're both queer they're both queer she is bisexual and he is gay and and oh my god and our autistic queen is a uh, brown and uh, and i was like wow 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 this is so overwhelming um so delicious <laughs> and on top of everything else I, I I know horror, especially when talking about disability representation, is, is tray problematic. Um, but I love horror, and so like the fact that this is spooky on top of everything else, I was like that this person this person snuck into my dreams at night and was like, this is gonna be Annie's cup of tea specifically. It's funny. I was reading about like um, how people have reacted to the show and that. And um, I was reading, I think, uh, an interview with the creator, um, Hamish Steele, I think their name is. And um, they had so many people um, with autism writing to them saying, like, oh, my gosh, like, this character, Norma, is so relatable, like, oh. But then it turns out during the production of this series, they themselves, Hamish Steele, the creator of the show, received an autism diagnosis. I knew just, exactly where that was going. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. Like, and that, but that just shows like the, the authenticity behind the scenes makes it bring so much more to the character and it makes it so much more relatable and real. Oh, I just, yeah, I love that story. I think it's so cool. That brings up for me, like it, the harshness, the disability community ha can have with, in terms of, like whether it's writers or even actors and like whether or not their diagnosis matches the character. And like, I, I, I completely understand like disabled and I, and I'm root for disabled actors, disabled roles. Um, but I also have in within myself, this nuance of like, but sometimes actors have to be in the disability closet or they're not going to get those jobs. You know what I mean? Um, and, and I see that a lot because I can see, especially with neurodivergence, like I can see traits and like plenty of celebrities and like, but they're not going to tell people that they're neurodivergent. Um, especially like established actors now who might be in like their forties or fifties, for example, because like, you know, now it would still happen like discrimination. Of course, we know that it would still happen, but probably not to the same degree as like 20, 30 years ago when they were like, becoming famous like back then it would have been like oh well, we can't work with you how do we do and some that? people just don't know also like like, like this like this writer in this too, yeah. in this show that we're talking about in dead yeah. end like they didn't know so they couldn't identify and a lot of people if they struggle with you know getting the diagnosis professionally struggle with identifying mm -hmm. as it also and this can happen so much i see it happen so much with autism specifically um, and especially, mm. that's why it's so important to me that the autistic character is also a person of color. People of color tend to have a lot more difficulty getting their diagnosis um, because whether culturally it'll present differently because the because the diagnostic criteria is really bizarrely rigid, like mm. <laughs> like 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 mm. oh they have to like line their toys up in a row and like okay that's so like. <laughs> That's, 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 that's little five, five-year-old autistic white boy. You described him cute. Uh, but the one, that's one of them. 
Um, and there's so many different kinds and especially with like femme presenting people, um, like they are not going to present autism the same way that happens to them a lot. Uh, there's, uh, and if you're looking for, um, what can be seen as like feminine autistic traits, there hasn't been a lot of representation. I'm glad we're talking about dead end now, but people have looked at like autistic coded feminine characters a lot my favorite one being um l woods from legally blonde um and like at that someone i didn't come up with that one someone said i think l woods is autistic and then i like what a cool lens to like watch legally blonde from that like pink is her special interest um and, and like her her like ability to like memorize things so quickly like she got like into harvard and like one summer of like you know digesting textbooks like i was like okay okay her uh th this one is ouch autistic naivete of like um well the naivete i don't even if that's even the right word just sometimes socially and uh informationally processing can be a little slower um i think i saw that even in the pilot episode of dead end too like like they were going to be they were going to be like uh, abducted or, or i don't know what the word is uh, possess <laughs> they are going to be possessed and she's still there like okay but this job interview though <laughs> like it's taking her a while it's really interesting though that you mentioned like the um you know that they're like outwardly identified as autistic cuz I haven't watched season two, so I'm like putting my hand up saying that too. But throughout season one, I don't believe that Norma is like identified as being autistic. Although we have already identified, you know, in behind the scenes with interviews with Hamish Steele, that they've identified. No, but like in interviews, Hamish Steele, it's like the creator has actually said Norma is autistic. Um, and I think that was the intention, you know, the whole time, like once Hamish um was diagnosed as well so they're like we'll continue to build on that which will be great but it'll be interesting because i think you know there's probably a lot interplaying into that like you've already touched on like you know feminine presenting people often aren't like identified or diagnosed as autistic you know earlier on in life like it usually takes a bit longer there's a whole bunch of issues around that as well um and i think like one thing i found interesting as well is that like before Hamish was actually identified as autistic, I believe they also had um, consultants and crew members on like set or not on set on um, the production that were also autistic. From all corners of our lived experiences, there is ableism. Every time we turn on the TV, every time we, we, uh, run into a car that's parked on the sidewalk when we're going on a, on a walk around the neighborhood. Like ableism is like everywhere. And so we're constantly like holding our breath just to try to not scream all the time because it's, it's constantly in our faces. So when it's, so being friends with one another and talking to each other constantly ends up kind of feeling like a support group and feeling like therapy because, because you're like, wow. You're being gaslit by the entire planet to think that, like, you don't belong here um, and and that you're not wanted here. And then you find people who are not just like you, but but identify with you and have shared life experiences um, 
And you're like, oh, no, 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 no. The world keeps trying to tell me that I'm crazy and I'm not wanted, but we are here for each other. Um, and, and like in our community, if no one else loves us, we can provide that love and support for one another. I think that's what, you know, not everyone has access to that in their real life. So I think that's what having like characters like Norma and, you know, um, the rest of the paranormal park crew, like, I think having seeing those characters on screen, more characters like that, it gives us that opportunity for connection and feeling like oh cool someone else gets it they might be a fictional character but it feels like someone else gets it i think it's time to do our idr scores so i completely made up inclusive disability representation scale five being the absolute best representation we've seen on screen and zero or negative numbers if you feel so inclined um is the worst. So, Steph, did you want to kick us off? Out of five, what did you give Dead End Paranormal Park? So, I am giving it a four out of five um, because I really did think the representation of what's what disability is in there, um, of Norma's character, um, I thought was done very well and I like that there was a lot of evidence of behind-the-scenes authenticity um, obviously, that was reflected well on screen. Um, what I do want to see more of is more diversity of disability in the show. Like, there's quite a cast of characters, um, all different mortal beings and paranormal, <laughs> you know, all of these kind of things. Um, you know, there's definitely room to throw in some more um, different types of disabilities. I think we can definitely see more of that in there. So um, that's, yeah, four out of five for me. I'll sprinkle on a little extra because I'm so excited about it. So I'll, I'll give it a 4.5. Um, I I want them to say the word. First of all, like I really only have like the, truly the pilot in my memory under my belt. And from the pilot, I'm like, we're not using the words and I would like us to. I would like us to use the word trans. I would like us to use the word autistic. Um, so that like, there is no argument among viewers, right? Like, like let's, let's go. I had to, we have to look in the Wikipedia. We have to look in like the behind the scenes stuff to get the info. And I'm like, no, tell them. And, and that's kind of like harsh, but I just, I would prefer it. Cause, cause I know we don't have to. I do say transgender later in the series. I can't okay, good. Yeah. Okay, good, good, good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I haven't seen... I haven't heard autism. Yeah. No. I haven't seen or read anything where um, Norma, as in the character in the show, is identified as autistic. But p- perhaps... Well, in an official capacity, I guess. But then I guess, like, is... Yeah. Like, I, I, again, I would like to see it in the show. I'd like to see the characters sort of say the word at, at one point. Um it's like, I don't know where else you could see that officially be pronounced kind of thing. It's like, okay, we now decree that normal is <laughs> autistic. Like, it's not easy. Like, uh, I, I'm, like I said, I'm writing something that has like diverse queer and neurodivergent disabled characters and um, like trying to find places to say it is is not so easy but there will be times because like i i have 
um, some of the conversations that I'm writing are like just pulled off of like my text messages with my friends and like, we'll throw it around like, Oh, this is, is this an EDS thing? And like, blah, 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 like asking each other. Right. So like, we'll, we'll casually throw it around. It's not unrealistic to, especially among other uh, disabled people. Cause like we have that disabled humor. That's right. So, so like, we're going to call it out. I'm going to call out the EDS. I'm going to call out, uh, I'm going to call out the autism and like within myself. And, <laughs> and, all right. I better give uh, my score as well before we wrap up. So I gave Dead End Paranormal Park a four out of five as well. Steph and I were the same and for very similar reasons. So like, I really loved like pretty much exactly what Steph said, but just to add on a couple of other things that I really loved is I never really felt like when I was watching the show that Norma was like considered like a burden to the people around her. Um, there was like some moments, but they unpacked them like instantly, which was really good. Um, and I think that's like super important because I feel like as we've sort of discussed that kind of like general representation of autism is from this like external view. And it's like, how does everybody function around, you know, this autistic person kind of like, I think of like really good example of that is the good doctor. Um, and that's a terrible show. Uh, and then, yeah, like I agree. I think the one thing that kind of like I subtracted points off is, you know, and I always say this is that like, when there's so many characters, one experience of disability is just never going to be enough for me. And the gold standard is also always just going to be like seeing a variety of disability experiences and intersectionalities. Um, got a really good start in Norma. Um, but I think, yeah, even if it's like another one of the staff that works there or like the million side characters that are like demons and ghosts and stuff, like whatever, I don't care who it is. I just think, yeah, make it more disabled. We're we're a very queer show. Make it more disabled. We just like Oh, I think if we were reviewing it on like queer rap, it'd be like a twelve out of five for me. That's it for this week's episode. So I want to say a massive thank you to you, Steph and Annie, for joining me. Um it's been amazing chatting to you and just the insights that you both have had on I mean, representation in general. Like we could talk for hours and hours and hours, obviously. Uh, but we've got to wrap it up at some point. Um, and thank you for everyone for following along from home as well. Um, we really want to hear your thoughts um, about the analysis that we did, about the representation um, in Dead End Paranormal Park. You can reach out to us through social media. So if you search Reframe Podcast or Podcast Reframed, you'll find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, if email suits you better and you want to um, just sort of like slide us a bit of a longer form analysis or review, we're hello at reframepodcast.com. And lastly, before we sign off, just want to say a huge thank you to the Community Broadcasting Foundation for helping to fund this series. Bye. This has been a production of Attitude Foundation.